Okay. Well, I think that um, before Professor goes on uh, to the um, to describe the uh, the formation of the um, the ceiling for the rate of interest, it's just good to summarise what we've discussed here. Um, when I spoke earlier, we we talked about the um, the floor of the interest rate uh, being set by the uh, the marginal um, bondholder, marginal saver, and the, the ceiling for the interest rate is set by the, uh, the 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 chap doing marginal arbitrage between the bond market and the stock market, and this establishes the uh, the range for the um, the interest rate spread. And it's a, it's it's constantly moving. It's a dynamic process. It's like the for any biologist here, it's like the process of homeostasis. It's this constant sort of regulation um, of internal conditions to make to make it to make you sort of feel top notch and to make sure you don't die. So. The, the, the establishment of the interest rate spread is a similar process. It's a sort of convergence process which is constantly dancing, constantly alive, but it has a process to make, th it's a process that makes things stable. So this makes interest rates stable, this process. But it's never in equilibrium, just like the body is ne in, never in equilibrium but it, 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 it's, a, it's a convergence process. And under this, under this, uh, under this goal, under, under a gold standard, a proper gold standard, you won't have sufficient variation in interest rates to make bond speculation worthwhile, which is, which is a big bonus. Um, so that's, that's just a quick summary of where we are at, at the moment. Homeostatic procedure you should think of constantly searching to make a, um, a convergent process for the interest rate spread. Okay, uh, so back to uh, Professor. <coughs> All right, uh, the first hour was the explanation how this black line, which is really an extreme position of the seesaw, comes about. So that is what establishes the floor of the, for the rate of interest or equivalently you can say the asked price for the gold bond which moves in this range. Okay. Now there is an, an, an completely analogous analysis of the red uh, extreme position of the seesaw and this will then establish the ceiling for the rate of interest or equivalently the bid uh, for the bond price. So let's and I don't have to spend the same amount of time as I did in the first lecture because it is such a close analogy 
to what we have done in the black case. Now in the red case, I switch to the red. Okay. I'm going to again consider the rate of interest. And then along this red line I'm going to line up all the producers. Okay, producers. And rank them. And I'm asking you now, ranking according to what? Remember in the black case we're talking about the bondholders and I rank them according to time preference. Now, here I am taking the producers and rank them according to productivity. According to productivity. Now that's just the fact of life that different people have different productivities. This is uh, no shame attached to uh, admit that a a heart surgeon has a higher productivity than a butcher, you know. I mean, obviously, we have different talents, capabilities. Accordingly, in the marketplace, so there's no uh, shame attached to have a different. This is just a fact of life, okay. Now, these producers, and then, oh yes, there will be a marginal. Producer, who's doing arbitrage between two markets. And one market is the which should I put it here? There are two markets. One is the gold bond market, and the other is the stock market. Just as an abstraction, I call it the stock market. So here, gold bond market. This is not the stock market in the ordinary sense because I'm, what I have in mind is that if the interest rate gets too high, then some of the producers will stop 
producing because that would involve them with a loss at the high rate of interest. So they stop producing. If they can sell their factory, lock, stock and barrel, fine and good, and they will sell. But the chances are they may not be able to sell or sell parts of it, sell certain equipment, uh, but uh, the basic unit will still be there as a shell after selling whatever he could. And he will sweep the proceeds of this sale into the gold bond market, which pays a higher interest rate, which actually drove him out of business, so to speak. So uh, he will uh, then uh, take advantage of this higher interest rate, which represents the productivity of other guys. Okay. So here, these are the sub-marginal producers who stop producing and they uh, invested the sale of whatever they could salvage from their uh, production equipment will sweep it into the gold <coughs> bond market. Uh, but even in the worst case, there will be some uh, which I can represent as a sale, because at the very least, he will stop main maintenance. He has equipment, machinery in his factory, and he will no longer spend the usual amount of maintaining the condition. And that's some money which will go into the, uh, <coughs> his investment of the gold bond. So, Please understand that my uh, re reference to the stock market is not really reference to the stock market as it is uh, understood commonly, but I just I was looking for a convenient word for this that he can get out of something and just call it stock market, but this could be selling some machinery or whatever he can salvage from his production. And I would say he, he sold stocks, okay? Pro productive stocks. And that goes into the gold bond market. So what we have here is an arbitrage. <coughs> the function of the rate of interest, the, uh, there is always a marginal producer if the rate of interest goes higher, which direction will this move, the marginal producer, to the right or to the left? Left. 
left. Yes. If the interest rate goes up, yes. then there will be more sub-marginal producers. So the this will move to the right. the right, not to the left. To the you you see that? Does everybody? The, the no, rate of interest goes. Louis said he's the thinking in terms of bond prices. If I ask the question that way, uh, then the answer would be yes. The bond. But, but you're not asking it that way. No, let's, <laughs> let's, uh, let's clarify. Please take over. Okay. The interest rate goes up. Okay. What happens? So um, you will have a set of producers who become sub-marginal. So there will be um, arbitrage from the stock market towards the gold bond. Which market. means that yeah. this... The, the, this goes right. To the right. Because you have a larger set okay. in the gold bond market. And some producers who were perfectly... Uh, productive at the lower rate will now become unproductive. They can no longer compete with the higher interest rate. You see, a producer is competing against the prevailing rate of interest. He has to have a productivity which is greater than the prevailing rate of interest. Because the moment his productivity becomes less, his operation no longer makes sense. In fact, he is going to be a loser because he could earn more as a bondholder than he earns as a producer. See, so you get an extra, you get an extra set of people in the gold bond market set, so it moves that way. Who are sub-marginal, sub but, but they didn't give up for good. Mm. They gave up temporarily because uh, the gold, because the interest rate moved against them. But should the inter, uh, interest rate come back down, they want to go back into production, and also. Please note that if in order to get, go back to production, they will sell their gold bond at a profit, right? Because when the interest rate was low, the bond price was high. Is it? Yeah. Well, where is the profit? Because that's, uh, that should be profit. The interest rate went down. Yeah, they're, they're, buying, they're buying the bond at a high interest rate, which means a low bond low price. Low bond price, okay. Then when the interest rate falls, the bond price rises, they sell. Rises, and then he sells. So he makes a profit. And he uses this profit to refurbish his factory. You know, if even if he didn't sell this, particular machinery, he might be able to buy a better version, a more advanced version. 
uh, and discard the obsolete equipment. So he uses this profit which he makes on the trade in the bond market to refurbish his factory and go back to production and now because the interest rate is lower he can compete once more successfully so this is what you should see that the uh, marginal producer is doing the arbitrage and this is uh, going to be beneficial for the whole society. Okay, so you see this is very very similar and I think it's a good exercise for you to fill in the details and, uh, and think it over as a process. It's very very helpful. Okay, let's go back to questions. So are there any questions or comments on that, Rudy? I lived through this, my manufacturing company, it's not just a theoretical thing out there. We went through exactly that stage of not enough money to re, uh, recapitalize or, or maintain and so on. And then the company was restarted more or less in China. Yeah. So, and even if my company is not leveraged and whatnot, the whole industry is affected by this. Our customers are affected by this. Without customers, we can't stay in business. And, and let's assume that the interest rate had made a comeback. You, you stopped producing, okay? And on a normal or more normal monetary system, you still had a chance because in, if interest rates had made a... Uh, I'm sorry, interest rates were too high. That's what forced you out of business, right? In effect, yeah. Yeah. So there was a drop after interest rates. You had a second chance. You could have gone back. But the only problem is there's no gold. It's, it's paper. And if we sell for paper, the paper depreciates. <coughs> the equation gets... But you are quite right, the whole business of outsourcing, everybody is familiar with the English word outsource, how would you describe outsourcing? Well, I think if anyone's experienced a call centre, you'll notice that uh, it's not usually a native of the place that you're calling from that's on the other end, so shifting of business offshore. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the American industry was very powerful and superb and uh, competitive world over. And then they outsourced one after the other and actually dismantled the American industrial, with, with the exception of the uh, war industry. War planes, jet planes, jet planes, and uh, navy supplies, all kinds of various rockets. You know that they retained, but they didn't mind if the whole TV industry, which is a very big uh, part of the American industrial power.
was shipped lock, stock, and barrel, and employees as well, to the east or to any country. Okay? And if you follow this, you will find the reasons why this happened in here. You see, what happened was that interest rates were pushed up first. And we go back to 1971 when Nixon closed the gold window. And they didn't think of the consequences that this might just mean a jump in the rate of interest, which it did. Just look at the interest rate chart. That after 1971, there's a big jump. What, did, what effect did this change in the rate of interest have in the uh, productive uh, power of the United States. It means that a lot of producers in this range were undercut because they had a higher rate of interest to compete, but their productivity was lower. So now they could only produce at their low productivity relative to the higher interest rate, which, mean that, uh, which meant that they had to go out of business, just as we explained. And some very valuable businesses had to go out of business. It's not that the, mar you know, the marginal businesses, because this was completely artificial, this increase in the rate of interest, which pushed these producers into the sub-marginal range. So they sold out, uh, invested in bonds. Now this is different, of course, from a gold bond, but a similar play. And when you do this analysis, you should take this into account. Anyhow, what I'm saying is that these guys had no chance to come back. Why? Because the rate of interest started increasing and it took about 10 years to reach the top. So, say, by from 1971 to 1981, interest rates went up, wiping out a lot of good businesses, okay? And then they turned around, but during those 10 years, the, uh, a lot of uh, productive equipment became obsolete, and uh, it was just too long. They, so they were eliminated, these, you see? And then something else happened, which still lasts to my mind, still lasts today. Interest rates started declining. So after this first shock of interest rates going from a more normal, say, five, four, five percent, went to 16, 20 percent, which is not unusual in 1980. It was a slow decline started, and to my mind, it's still continuing. But a lot of people say, no, now long bonds 
dropped, how is it, uh, went too high, and interest rates on the long-term bonds went to, say, 3%, and now they start going up again. I feel, and I think Sandy would confirm that, this is not the situation. Interest rates can still go lower, partly because of the misguided effort of the Federal Reserve, but sometimes I have the feeling that they are no longer in control. So, uh, the, uh, it's the depression, it's the uh, uh, deflation, what is going on, interest rates are still falling. You want to add something to this? Yes. Um, many people say that QE, what can you do with QE3? Uh, yeah, QE3. Um, when the short term rate is already near 0%. Well, there's a 30 year yield curve to, to play with, and there's still, there's still sufficient differential between the short and the long end of the rate to bring bring it down heavily. So I can't remember what the 30-year rate is at the moment, just shy of 4%, I think, isn't it? 3 You know, and you can halve that. Let's say it's 4%. You can halve it. 3.52%. Okay. Let's just say 4. Uh, <laughs> you know, you can go 4 to 1 half quarter and 8 ad infinitum. And you will still maintain a positive yield curve, as it were, so you're not bringing the banks to insolvency just yet. So there is still plenty, um, plenty of action to be done. And if you think, okay, that's dodgy, well of course it's dodgy, but the point is that many, many asset classes which are arguably superior to the solvency of the United States will trail them as well. So long-term corporate bonds, which are arguably much better fiscal position than the United States, are likely to trail it as well. So it ain't over yet, is the, uh, the bottom line of this. Well, all right.